When the universe is vast and inexplicable, and you are weak and insignificant, then you know you're playing Call of Cthulhu. This is an actual play of Call of Cthulhu 7th edition, featuring adult themes and horror. Listener discretion is advised. Find our published scenarios at starsarewrite.com or contact us for help unleashing your own twisted tales upon an unsuspecting world. And now, settle in, dear listener. Intrigue, high adventure, and cosmic horror await when the stars are right. Welcome, listeners, to The Stars Are Right. We are continuing our playthrough of Alone Against the Static by Chaosium and written by B, as in Bravo, W. Holland. I'm Tyler and am your keeper for this particular evening, and I am joined by Seb. How are you doing and who are you playing? Hi, I'm doing well. I am uh, a little anxious because we left it on a cliffhanger at the end of the last session. Um, I am going to be playing Alex today, uh, who is the boyfriend of Charlie and uh, is currently on his own, hanging out in a cabin in the woods, kind of annoyed because his boyfriend left to go find an electrician like that night slash th that morning slash the previous night, question mark. Uh, and has yet to return uh, and just left a note on the fridge, which uh, is kind of frustrating and a little disconcerting at this stage because that's a long time to have been gone with with no contact. But, uh, you know, we persevere. We've just opened the door and are looking out in the night and we see nothing, presumably. Absolutely nothing. Nothing but darkness and wind and cold. I'm going to ask you to make a sanity roll. I would love to make a sanity roll. Uh, that is a hard success on the sanity. Excellent. So you have choices you can make then. You lose no sanity. Ooh, get high. Do you dismiss the noise as an accident of the wind, or do you want to keep waiting at the store? I think Alex is... I think Alex doesn't think it was the wind. I think he's like, some weird shit's happening, but doesn't want to be standing in the doorway for any longer than is necessary and doesn't also want to waste the uh, flashlight batteries because don't know when I'm going to have access to more. So it's going to shut the door and lock it again. You close the door and you didn't realize how cold it was until that little bit of warmth from being inside the cabin returns to you. You return to the kitchen and sit dejectedly before what remains of your sandwich. Later, you follow the flashlight back to the bed and get under the covers, rubbing your legs and arms to stay warm. Upon the cabinet at the foot of the bed, the television suddenly turns back on. The power's back! The power is back? However, the lights don't turn on, so you can go investigate why the lights aren't on, or you can inspect the television. Uh, yeah, Alex is going to go over and see if uh, he can work the light switch. You reach across to the bedside lamp and flick the switch. Nothing happens. 
get out of the bed and use the flashlight to find the light switch in the wall. Again, there's nothing. You cross the cabin and step into the bathroom. Flick the switch one more time. Nothing. There's not power. Just the TV tuned to the VCR displaying slightly illuminated black. Is there a separate power supply to the TV compared to the lights? What the fuck is going on? And Alex will go over and investigate the TV if that's an option. That's the only option. As you get closer, you notice that the VCR is purring in the otherwise absolute quiet. Oh, I love cats. Give me a double... Give me a quick section to double... There's a bunch of if-then statements here. (laughs) Excellent. Okay, you don't have that one. You don't have that one. That is ridiculous, but okay. Um... Your only options are to put the tape in from last night or leave the TV alone. Okay. Um, Well, I will put the tape in from last night and hit play and we will YOLO this. Sounds as great as can be. Yeah, I think so. The tape from last night is still sitting in the cabinet. Maybe it's morbid curiosity, or maybe it's a desire to understand what's going on, but you take the tape and slide it into the VCR. You turn the volume all the way down, trying to make sure you don't have a repeat of last night's speaker-blasting static. And then you press play. The tape begins from where it left off the night before. Static. There's thunderous white noise, but it is muted by your fingers in the volume dial. But then... The tracking on the tape flickers, jagged white and silver lines horizontal across the screen. It looks like the tape had more footage to show when you turned it off last night. Do you want to try to use the... Do you want to try to fiddle with the VCR controls to to fix it up at all, or do you just want to let it play? I think I'll just let it play. You ignore the tracking issues, maybe assuming, maybe hoping that it'll fix itself. The white noise vanishes from the screen after a moment, and it's replaced by the image of a clearing in the forest. Someone's adjusting the camera, presumably setting it onto a tripod. The figure steps into view. It's just some guy. He's wearing a fluorescent hunting jacket and beanie. He stands back and looks at the camera, then smiles and turns to the clearing. He's set up a little campfire and a tiny two-man tent. He nods contentedly, and then the figure squats by the fire, snapping sticks in half and tossing them into the flames while looking into the camera. His lips are moving. Do you want to turn the volume back up, or do you want to leave it unmuted? This is pretty weird, but I think Alex is curious as to what the guy is saying, so we'll turn the volume up and potentially rewind if that's an option. He turned the volume dial, and his words become clear. Oh, five days now, I think? He looks around at the pines at the edge of the clearing. It's beautiful, though. I'm expecting my friends any day now. The man stands up, looking down at the fire. The flames keep me warm, keep me prepared. Turns to the camera again, then gestures to the tent. It gets cold at night, but I think soon enough that won't matter. He turns to the tent and unzips it, sticks his head and arms in and forages around for a few moments. Comes out of the tent, holding a manila folder, the kind you see people store documents in at offices. He walks back to the camera and takes a seat in front of it. Frame is tight around his face. He looks directly around the lens, and for a moment you feel like he's looking right at you. He says something, but it's too soft to hear. 
you can now try to rewind it and turn the volume up to try to catch that again or let it keep going. At this point, I think uh, Alex is, is invested enough that he just wants to let this play out and see where it goes. Um, but can I just ask a quick question to you as the keeper? Apologies. Of course. I missed this when you said it earlier. Is this the guy who was at the door earlier? It is not. Or at least okay, if it is, person. you can't you can't tell. I believe okay. you I believe as written, you did not get a good enough look at the person at the door's face. Looking at the image it, it had for me, which I admittedly didn't send, it looks like he's supposed to be very shadowed and like big coat, big hood, so you couldn't really see his face um, for the person at the door. Uh, oh, well, okay. Uh, so yeah, you, sure, you, you, you lack information to make that call either way, is what it comes yes, down to. Fine, fine. The, okay, vo- no the voice, the voice seems to be different, okay. and with the big okay. bulky jacket, you didn't get a good enough view of the person's like body shape to make that determination. Fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's let's let this videotape play out and see where it goes to. Now that he's up close, you notice something weird about his face. He has a series of pustules spreading around the rim of his eyelid, almost directly along the same spot where his eyelashes grow. They vary in size, but they look sore, and they're yellow and wet. Like the deer. It looks remarkably like the deer you saw in the forest earlier that day. The same kind of sore, the same kind of strange, sickening disease. But previously, you'd assumed it was some sort of disease contracted by animals, not people. Your stomach turns as the man twists and reveals the pustules in all their glory. The man holds up the folder and smiles. Everything here, just as yesterday. Everything I wrote down after that first dream. He puts the folder in his lap, out of sight, and looks down. You hear the folder open and the papers rustle. I'll read it again, he says. Words that came to me in my sleep. He smiles at the camera, proud, and gestures to the clearing behind him. This is the exact spot I saw it every night. Every single night. He's happy. He's giddy now. He looks down at the papers and begins to read. It comes in the face of those it has taken, those it has already brought to the fold. By the light of the sun it is hidden clad in the skin of the familiar. He clears his throat, but then he continues. By night it walks free, a student of the earth, a venom and a cure of the forest. Drawing from deep in the soil, these black hills are its flesh today. Every tree is a hare. Its followers are dictated by the rule of time. Mikhail, Homer, Olivia, Darcy. He pauses and points excitedly at the paper. That's me, he adds, and goes on reading. Marcus, Charlie, Alex, Rachel, Isaac. He pauses and then looks directly at the camera. Charlie, he asks. Narrows his eyes. Alex? He leans in close to the camera. It's now just his eye, ridden with pustules. Are you coming home? 
The screen smash cuts to white noise, and even with the volume turned as low as you could with still hearing it, the room fills with crackling static. Would you be so kind to make a sanity roll? Stop it, that feels very justified. That's a failure, and I feel like that's quite appropriate given the circumstances. Okay, I gotta write a couple things down. Okay, the static fills the room. The static, the static. That horrid, all-consuming static. You can't escape it. For a moment, you imagine you can feel it. Icy tendrils in your gut, around your throat, burrowing into your brain and stirring around all your thoughts, twisting your feelings, and eating your very memories. You reach out on instinct. You slap at the VCR once, twice. On the third time, you finally manage to hit the eject button and the machine spits up the tape. The cabin falls silent, and the television set is there, glowing quietly. The man on the tape, how did he know those names? How did he know you? You're gonna lose four sanity? That's fair. And just to double check, that's not any, that's not any, that's not triggering any things for you, right? No, so, um, my starting was 50, I'm now at 45, so I've lost 10%. I think losing 20% means that yeah. I go crazy. Or five in a, in a single. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was just double checking. There are special. There's a special little thing for Sandy in this one. You turn away from the television set and trust over to the bed. You sit down and try to avoid looking at the television, but you can hear it humming ever so softly. Do you want to try to sleep, or do you want to have one last one last chance to go look for Charlie? Oh, I mean, both of those options seem insane to me. Um, I'm I'm with you. This feels sleep. a little bit more. This feels a little bit more like sitting in the dark, keeping yourself awake. But yeah, yeah. I I, I think um, sorry, at this point, I, I think Alex just wants to get out of here and is mm -hmm. gonna go and look for Charlie, um, in one last like ditch attempt to uh, escape from whatever madness he has uh, stumbled into. You follow your flashlight back to the cabin door and open it. It's dark and cold outside. The wind drifts past the clearing in front of the cabin, down the driveway to the road hidden by the forest. You shine the flashlight left, and then right. There's no sign of Charlie. You were obviously optimistic. If there were any cars out here, you'd be hearing them for a mile out. Make a listen, please. Sure. That is an extreme success. You hear it, rapidly approaching footsteps. They're getting closer and fast. You spin around and raise your flashlight. It falls in the shadow of a man running in your direction from the tree line. Your eyes widen as you make him out. Middle-aged, large jacket obscuring his face, but you can see his lips set in a determined snarl. He's sprinting directly at you, and you can't help but feel like there's murder in his eyes. Do you want to yell at him or run inside? Uh, I think uh, I think Alex will uh, will say, um, "Hey, mate, what is going on? I've 
I've seen some weird stuff on the TV which shouldn't even be working, by the way, uh, because the electricity's out. You stop, chill, explain to me what the fuck is going on. He doesn't stop. You shout, stop! He's nearly at you. Make a dex roll with a penalty die. Ooh, delightful. Let's go. Yeah. This one's not messing around. That's okay. That hard success even with the penalty. Yeah, wow. For the listeners, roll 10 on both die. Oh, yep. that's got to feel good. That's gotta feel real good. That's a real good sign. <laughs> you lunge into the cabin and slam the door shut, hastily locking it. A half second later, you hear the stranger slam his full weight against the cabin door. The collision's loud. The door shudders beneath him as he begins to try to beat his fists against it. The door shakes. He's trying to break in. Do you want to try to reinforce the door? Do you want to try to find a weapon or something? Or do you want to try to hide? Um, so hiding feels like the worst option here. I, I, that just seems like a bad choice. Um, I will, you know, Alex is, Alex is pretty, Alex is pretty tough. Like he's a, he's a big guy. He's pretty strong. Um, he's going to try and find something to like clock this guy with if he breaks in. You search around for something, anything to defend yourself with. You look around frantically. But there's got to be something here you can use. But your eyes snap between unpacked vegetables, videotapes, and folded linen. Make a spot hidden roll. Sure. I mean, this is deeply perplexing to me because I was literally making dinner. So presumably there was some sort of implements that I was doing that with. Extreme success on the uh, spot hidden. So okay. rolls have gotten really good. It started so poorly and now it's going so well. I got good news for you. Instincts take over. You sprint to the kitchen. You open the drawers inside, feel around the silverware. You find a steak knife. It'll have to do. You step out of the kitchen and make your stand by the front door. You grip the knife tightly in one hand. After a few seconds, the door bursts open and the stranger steps inside. He charges right at you. He's bigger than you. Crazed, uh, wild, yeah. and violent. Huh. He thrashes with empty hands the air around him as he crosses the room in large, rapid strides, closing the distance. Do you want to try to focus on getting out of the way, or do you want to try to attack him as he approaches? I would love to get out of the way. If there's an option to like try and use the knife to intimidate him and get him to like stop for a moment so I can figure out what the fuck he wants from me, that would be great. But otherwise, I'm just going to try and take evasive action. Alex is not about the whole murdering of people thing. Uh, he just wants to not die right now. Cool. He is non-responsive as this is the same stranger who was weird at the front door earlier. But you manage to weave sideways and are trying to slip out of his reach as he flails wildly. Make a dodge roll for me, please. Absolutely. That is a horrible failure. 84 over 32. Alex is getting got. Even in an inferior position, the stranger is too fast for you. He whirls about and your attack swings wide. You're recovering. He snarls, lunges, and drives a fist into your gut. You crumple up and stagger back. The wind has been knocked out of you. 
He bellows in celebration. You steady yourself, then look up to see him approaching you again, his, fl his fists flailing. You realize with a start that during the scuffle, the two of you have swapped positions. You're now between him and the door. And for a moment, you think, there's no way you're staying here. You spin around and sprint away from the cabin, out into the woods. The stranger's howls of fury grow fainter as you vanish into the night. You are going to take three damage. Right. Love that for me. As you run out into the night. You dash out into the night, running as far and fast as your body can manage. The cold air burns your lungs. The surrounding trees sound alien as they rustle, making you all the more terrified. Every few minutes you emerge from the trees to find a section of dirt road. Keep praying you'll see your partner's car arriving, but in your soul, you know it won't come. After almost an hour of mad flight, you come to a crossroads. You recognize it from your journey up to the cabin, but you're not entirely sure which direction leads to the highway and which one leads deeper into the woods. And for a moment, the forest feels inescapable. Would you mind making me a navigate roll? I would love to make a navigate roll. Uh, excitingly, for the benefit of our listeners, this is one of the few things that Alex is better at than, uh, than Charlie. Yay! Yeah, I guess. And that is a hard success. Awesome! Awesome! You pick a pathway and follow it. Even after hurrying on for what feels like ages, you can't tell if you made the right call. The flashlight that you carry is the only way you can see your surroundings. And the only thing you can tell is that the forest is quieter here. Eventually, you start to tire. You're also getting seriously cold. You lean against a tree to catch your breath. I knew I should have worn the sweater. No matter how hard you try to catch your breath, it just doesn't seem to work. Your hand slides down the base of the tree, and you collapse down against its roots. You suck air in over and over, but your lungs feel icy. Despite the horrible situation you're in, your eyelids start to feel heavy. You're not sure how long you wait there in the darkness, but it's some time until you feel as though you can get back on your feet. You stand slowly, teeter, almost fall, but you manage to forge on. Right now, you just need to put distance between yourself and the chaos you escaped from. When the sun rises, you'll be able to reassess and find your way back to civilization. Take another point of damage. Cool. That puts me at 9 out of 13. At least you have a decent number of hit points. Yeah, this is reasonably tough. Pine needles and dirt crunch under your feet as you walk. You make progress, but with every step you feel yourself growing wearier. You need to find somewhere to rest. Maybe high ground would be good? Or should you look for a grotto? Anywhere sheltered, right? Just as you spot a cluster of trees where it looks like you'll be able to rest and stay dry, you hear a faint hiss from behind you. What was it? Static? Was the sound static? You can feel that tang of adrenaline surging through your system. Investigate the sound behind you, or just run. Uh, nah, mate, we're, 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 do we're done with this. We're done with this. We're getting out of here. Alex is going to run. You don't stop to think. You take off at a sprint and race into the forest. You resist the urge to call for help because 
deep down, you know that no one's coming. Ahead of you, moonlight just barely reveals a jagged pathway littered with sharp rocks and treacherous tree roots. You try your best to avoid them. You don't even need to roll because of previous decisions you've made. Without the light to guide your path, you have a certainty that you would have broken your neck running across the uneven ground ahead. But you silently thank your lucky stars that you stopped to add extra batteries to the flashlight. You dodge between the hazards and leave the sound of static behind you. After a minute or so, or da- uh, after a minute or so of mad dashing, you can hear nothing but the rustling of the forest pines. Just as you're about to stop to catch your breath, you emerge in a break through the trees and are suddenly blinking in a large moonlit clearing. Without the pine trees hiding the light, you can see much more clearly here. The clearing you've wandered into isn't very large but somebody's been stead up inside of it. You see a small tent next to a dormant fire pit. Maybe you found help. What did the guy in the video say? The fire keeps the cold out for now, but it won't matter soon. You made a lot of noise and you pushed the trees into the clearing. You hear something rustling inside the tent. You've clearly woken whoever's inside. Hello? A timid voice calls out. The tent flap unzips, and an unfamiliar man steps up to the moonlight. He's fully clothed. He looks towards you, hesitates, then nods. You notice that he doesn't look at all surprised. Do you want to be polite or aggressive? Uh, Alex will be polite um saying something like uh, uh hi uh mate look i'm really sorry it, it has been a weird night um uh, i'm i've been some uh, a bloke tried to attack me in my cabin um where me and my uh partner are uh staying for for, for for the night um uh we'll sort of realize that he's holding a steak knife and we're like stash that away and be like uh yeah, I, I just, sorry, uh, hi, uh, I, I'm Alex, um, uh, and, and then we sort of trail off, not really understanding how to, like, proceed from here. <laughs> yeah, you can feel the struggle inside you to keep the terror, anger, all the emotions in you from creeping into your voice, but it doesn't seem to matter. The man approaches you, and he's smiling. Don't worry, the man says, and holds his hands up, empty palms turned towards you. It's okay. I'm your friend. His voice is small, and it seems to fall eerily. His eyes are wide, and he seems excited. You look around, but there's nothing in the clearing that gives you any new insight to what's happening. What's happening, you ask, feeling the words bubble up from inside you you don't really expect a real answer but to your surprise you get one i'm someone who can hear it the man says slowly lowering his hands hear what the child what the child of the forest you've heard it too i know you have when it weeps it sounds like 
and the words burble past your lips, almost involuntarily. It's static, you say. The man smiles. Yes, I knew it. You have heard it. You hesitate. Don't get a choice. Alex, he says. You freeze. How do you know who I am? The child told me. It just wants a family, Alex. That's what we can give to it. The voice in the static, you ask? The child. Yes. You have so many options here. Um, you can ask him about a bunch of questions, or you can basically try to end the conversation. I think Alex is made of questions at this point, uh -huh. and will launch into what? Uh, like, so, so, who are you? What is the child of the forest? Why does it sound like static? What do I? What role do I play in all of this? And why am I mixed up in it? Uh, and is my partner part of this? Are they coming back? What's going on? It's a burden, this knowledge. The man smiles at you. I came to this place years ago. I brought my camera, you know. I wanted to document the wild. But I found something far more important. Something beyond comprehension. I found the child because I want to manipulate the magnetic particles in my videotapes to show me visions of the future. He smiles, and so far they've all come to pass. The child exists beneath the earth, in the soil, in the trees, and in the pine needles at our very feet. The power of the earth all around it lets it smell and taste and touch anyone who encounters it. What do you mean, you ask? It sees the future. For the child, there's only the now. And now is everything all at once. That's why it was waiting for you, he says. In my time, the child has shown me many things, all stored in the tapes. I've kept them and labeled them and tried to organize them as best I could. Do you have any other questions for him? Yeah. Um, wait, you, you're the one who made the tapes? Do you, um, I don't, there were some weird tapes in there. Like, how, how did, how did you know? No, in fact, first question, why do you have a bunch of slasher costumes that are covered in filth in your shed? He Sorry, doesn't have an for answer for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just kind of double checking. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have an answer for that. Uh, so what does this child of the forest want from me? To be its family? That seems weird. The man nods at you. It's spent uncountable years alone. It sees the past, the present, and the future. It's tried so desperately to adapt to the technology of our world, but it's failed. It just wants people to be here with it. Here, in its home. He gestures around himself. Back to the questions. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I'm happy to be, uh, like, family in the sense of, you know, a cousin who comes to visit every now and then, but like, I can still go home, right? I, I get that being in touch with nature is important and it's good to, you know, come out to places like this from time to time, but I've got a job and a life that I'd quite like to get back to, if that's okay. He doesn't have much in particular to say to that. Um, but after a moment, he smiles and says, I know it's strange. The child's something ancient and it's a strange name for one so old. But you know, I believe it was birthed from Mother Earth herself. It exists alone in the wild places of the world. But honestly, I think it's just lonely. I think it's aching. And then you're back to the questions again. Great. Well, um, look, it was great to meet you. I don't think I ever caught your name. I have a feeling you aren't programmed to give me one. Um, I, I, I'm gonna go, I think. And, um, you know, m maybe I'll come back and visit. That's a thing that I can do. The man froze his brow. You mean leave? Yeah, you say. I want to get out of here and go home. I never want to come back here. Honestly, ever. The man shakes his head. I'm afraid it's too late for any of that. The child's chosen you, and it's awaited your arrival for so long. You shake your head. I don't care. I'm not staying. You turn to make a run just as a familiar voice rings out. Wait! You recognize Charlie's voice. You spin away from the man, and there, standing at the edge of the clearing, is Charlie. His clothes are flaked with mud and dirt. There's twigs caught in his hair, but they're there. They're alive. And he's smiling at you. Honey, he says. It's okay. Charlie, what the fuck is going on? Something in the base of your consciousness is sounding a terrible alarm, but another equally strong part of you is telling to run over and embrace the person you love. Charlie, I, I thought you were dead. I thought that bloke, that crazy bloke who got you, you, I am gonna, I am gonna fucking kill you, but also, I will, like, run over and, and give him a hug. Charlie hugs you back. I know, I know, don't worry. Everything's gonna be okay now. We're all together now. You can feel Charlie's hand stroking the back of your head. You pull away, and part of you inside screams, you don't have time for this right now. Where's the car? We have to get out of there. here. We have to go now. Charlie looks back at you sadly and shakes their head. No, honey, I'm sorry, we can't go. We have to stay here. The way Charlie speaks is all wrong. Standing closer now, you notice a thousand subtle details that don't fit the person you know. This isn't Charlie. I know you're nervous. I'd try to explain everything, but I don't think there's much point. They raise their arms and open them wide. I'll just show you. You can't bring yourself to answer, 
Your mouth just opens and shuts like a fish. Charlie watches you for a long time, then bows their head. Your heart drops. I need you, Alex, Charlie's voice says, but this time it comes from behind you. You spin around as the man who crawled out of the tent. Body unchanged, but he's now wearing Charlie's face. There's two of them now, and they're on either side of you. I need you like I needed Charlie, they say. But when they speak, their voices merge and overlay and seem to bleed static. You're here now, and we can be together. We three, we four, we all of us. Please, come with me. Make a sanity roll, please. That sounds great. Um, yeah. We warrant it at this stage. You're like, oh, people can change faces now? That seems fair. <laughs> but this okay. is a success. At this point, I feel like Alex is deep enough in the madness that he's like, now, nah, you know what? You know what? This tracks. This is consistent. And you know what? You lose zero sanity on a success here. Amazing. Do, do you want to go with them or not? This was the logical progression. Um, yep. Alex is absolutely not going with them. Alex right now is like, no, 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 no. This is, this is not, this is not my boyfriend. Looks like him, but is not. This is some bullshit. Um, I'm being fucked with. I'm not okay with this. No, you say. I don't want that. What? I don't care what you or anybody else says about the child. I want to go home. I want to leave. You can see your partner's face fall. I'm so sorry, honey, he says. I'm sorry I couldn't make it painless. Your partner's face bulges. Pine needles sprout from their cheeks and emerge, covered in blood. Their mouth opens in a thick, fleshy tentacle laced with pale blue veins coated with saliva unfurls. You hear your partner's voice screaming. The child is given form. From its flesh emerges a true manifestation. You can hear a dozen more voices join the noise. They're laughing, shrieking, crying. They're all chanting something. A name. Deep inside, you know it's a name. They repeat it again and again. Ush-tik-ah. tik ah Your partner steps closer. Clothing sloughing away from the body as their chest spills open into a sphincter-like maw from which echoes a horrid, swarming hail of static. Run or fight. Uh, Alex, at this point, I, I think Alex has chosen the run option every time there has been a run <laughs> option. But right now, there is a creature that has uh, d disassembled his boyfriend and turned him into an eldritch abomination and he is gonna re-equip the steak knife <laughs> and try and free charlie from this endless torment whatever that thing is deep down you know that's not really charlie you're pretty sure it might have killed them it's wearing its face and you have for a moment where you think to yourself even if it means you end up dead you're refusing to let this monster get away unharmed as the horrific mutation proceeds, you lunge forward and attack, striking wildly with all your might. Make me a brawl check, please. For sure. That is a success. That is a 46 under 55. <gasps> I stab it. You land a solid blow right against the monster's face, the face it stole from your partner. Your strike splits the flesh and it rips away into nothingness. The creature itself is completely unharmed. And deep down, you know, how could you possibly hurt it? 
it's an erupting, mutating beast. But in the one moment you strike it, you manage to take back a measure of control. You rip your partner's face away from it. That simple gesture, that is enough to make your heart surge with righteous victory. This thing can't take everything from you. But you don't hold the beast back for long. It grabs at you with a tentacle that comes whipping at your side. The tentacles boil and writhe before you. An alien voice resonates in the forest around you. This is your last chance. Accept the child and be born anew, or reject it and suffer. Uh, at this point, Alex is going to uh, is going to hold up uh, the face uh, of his presumably deceased boyfriend, tear it, uh, tear it in half, and yell out, "What then, you fuck? I hope you choke on me." Metal as heck. No, you scream, and you swing at the creature one last time. But this time, your strike doesn't connect. Whipping tentacles snap out and catch both your wrists. You struggle against them, and a third tentacle rises into the air in front of you. Its tip is sharp. Behind it looms the monster's true form. An amalgamation of indescribable whipping coils of ropey, bark-encrusted flesh. You scream out at the monster. It's one last final yell of defiance. The third tentacle shoots forward and plunges into the center of your chest. The air is driven from your lungs and blood pours from the wound. Your vision goes gray. You struggle, trying to free your hands once more. But in the end, there's no strength left. The final image you see before everything turns dark is fading, crawling, static. And then nothing. Delightful. And that's the end of Alone Against the Static. You have passed away. Um, I will say from my right over this, this is a brutally hard scenario. It is very easy to think you're doing everything right and accomplish nothing in this one. Um, mm -hmm. That brings us to our Against the Madness. Uh, how are you, how you feeling there, Seth? <laughs> uh, I'm doing great, yeah. Um, so uh, are, we, are, we, are we wrapping at this point and going into Beyond the Madness? Yeah, I, there are... Spoilers ahead for, for people who are listening who might want to try to play through this. You were so far where we were at. You, to, again, to, to, to metagame and reveal, you, you were in a position where, after reaching that clearing, there was no good ending for you anymore. Wild. Okay. You had missed stuff early on, which I find is a common thing oh. in the alone ones. That yep. basically mm -hmm. you lacked the things to get a good ending. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that doesn't surprise. Did it? Did, uh, uh, can I, can I make a couple of guesses as to what those might have been? Yeah, I feel like um, there was some stuff in the shed that I didn't look at that I feel like it would have been beneficial to look at, um, <sighs> like the workbench, the other boxes. So, jumping back to the shed. There is one thing I saw in the shed. If you kept going through the boxes, 
the next thing you found would have been a knife, like a, like a, like a, sure. like an arc, an ornate ritual looking knife. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and basically if you stab the thing with that from my reading and I'd have to double check, but it seems like that just makes it more powerful. That knife does nothing to help you. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You needed to go through the... You needed to go through the tapes. Did I need to make the spot hidden check on the... Oh, I needed to go through the tapes. Yeah. You missed yeah, a okay. Tape. So maybe I needed to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I failed yeah. the spot hidden on that, so that's probably it. Yeah, I'm not 100% all the paths, but yeah, look, watching tapes is a really important part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't on. rewind the video as well when I was re- when I was watching the video. I just let it play out. I don't it's think that would have helped you at all. There. I don't know what it okay, I'm trying I'm trying to find. I, I'm trying to double check if there is a ending where you survive. <laughs> it would be very cool of Cthulhu for there to not be one. Oh yeah, like sometimes uh, you have an ending where it's like you die, but at least you did a good thing. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel but, like uh, I feel like I got to go out a little bit like the uh, like the New Yorker in that joke that uh, Pat Morita yeah. used to like to tell. Where it's like you get to choose your way of death, and like the the uh, the Frenchman says a pistol, the Englishman says a sword, and the New Yorker says a fork. Yeah. Uh, to the cannibals. So okay, I I was wrong. You had a chance that if you had run, you could have uh, escaped. Yes. Yeah. I mean, absolutely, running was the right choice. One million percent, running was the right choice. Uh, in that moment, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're gonna try and one v one the Eldritch Abomination. <laughs> it's, it's never a winning play, but uh, at that point, the scenario is basically over anyway. Let's let's have some fun with it. Okay. It also looks like okay. It looks like if you got the dagger, you could have you could have stabbed. Okay, maybe. Oh no, the dagger could have helped you as well back in the cabin or back in that shed. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting it's an interesting scenario for sure. Um, I I've never played one of these before. The the idea mm. of the alone against games is, is super interesting to me. Um, as a kid, I used to love choose your own adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think it's it, it took me some time for sure to get into to get into the kind of groove of it. Um, I think because there's dialogue written for both yeah the played character and the non played character, I found it hard to like get into character for a bit um oh 100 percent. kind of trying to rp it I, I guess they're not designed for this style of like um playthroughs for, for a podcast sort of thing we're sort of hacking it a little bit to do that so from my memory and it has admittedly been a while since i read alone against the flames mm-hmm. if i remember correctly alone against the flames doesn't do this alone against the flames has a lot more of like you pick a character and you're, you have a lot more like say in who your character is, but especially because in this, where it's like, you are a couple that's having a rough time. Yeah, sure. You have to be that couple. And 
there are some mm-hmm. bits and we we saw them and I tried to stick broadly close to the writing of yeah. like I think Alex is supposed to be a bit of a like a city and and we played them both as men but you know on the first like on page 8 which is the first like page of plot you get a photo of each of them and Alex is a woman in the original yeah. and I, I i think some of it's written for very much some stereotypes from the 1990s of Charlie's kind of like a nerdy gorky guy and Alex is a city girl who I don't know I I I feel like Alex is a harder one to get a handle on who she's supposed to be mm-hmm. yeah and and I guess uh to, to sort of a word about why I picked Alex after looking at the two as a character to play Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something I'm kind of going to go on like a like a three minute tangent on because it's a concept yeah. that I find really interesting in in storytelling and especially tabletop RPGs in general. Is looking at the two character sheets, Charlie is I I think it's fair to say objectively the like quote unquote better player character if you want to kind of optimize. Like he has more stat points in total. I think I think if you add them up. Uh, cumulatively he has like 25 more stat points than Alex he has more useful skills like his uh, his spot hidden's higher uh, I think his I think his um, like stealth is higher and uh, and uh, uh, like listen is good as well and, and, and his first aid is insanely good uh, if someone gets yeah um, his but... dodge is basically the same their fighting yeah. brawl is the same yeah it's like his, if you play Alex, you get you get accounting, which is uh, a thing, and drive auto as well for the car that you never get to use. And um, navigate, <laughs> navigate. Alex's navigate, navigate is double. Was the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So navigate was the one thing that I, I think I remarked on earlier. Like I noticed that was better. Didn't think it would ever be relevant, but was like, huh, there is a thing that Alex is better than than Charlie. Um, and intimidate, there are, there which which again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and I'd be curious in your thoughts, but I, having read through it, and I like I ran through it once by myself as Charlie mm-hmm. earlier, just to get mm-hmm. a feel through it, and then I kind of read it in order, which is not how they're meant to be read, but I was trying to get prepped for this. Um, I feel like Charlie is easier to understand who they are. He is a very young, mm-hmm. like he's a nurse, just graduated, and. Yeah, he, he he seems a little bit like, you know, a nerdy guy who means well, but, you know, I feel like I get him. You know, he he, yeah. he reminds me almost of, um, he very much could be a character in the first Scream movie, right? Like, he feels very much of like, oh, this is a, uh-huh. this is a slasher movie character. This is like, and... Alex feels like Alex does to me and, and I'd be curious in your thoughts, but to me, Alex doesn't feel like as written as realized of a character. She's supposed to be a salesperson. Like that's her job, mm-hmm. but, and she's good at persuading, but she's also like really good at intimidation. Yeah. But, She's almost as good as Charlie at first aid, and he's supposed to be a nurse. Yeah, it's 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 interesting for sure. 
Um, and I think the the description is kind of fascinating to me as well because um, the personal description is like rugged or scruffy, depending on how char charitable you're feeling, which seems to clash for me with the with the idea of of them being like a, a kind of city slicker uh, and the like smooth talking salesperson as well. Um, I don't know it's it's an interesting, but but then but then to me that's interesting. I like um, yeah. I like clashing characteristics um, because I I feel like it makes people feel more like people as opposed to archetypes um for sure so, so that doesn't bother me so much um but uh yeah I, I, de I definitely found it harder to connect with Alex which is part of the reason I wanted to I wanted to play that um but the main reason I'm going to go back to my uh, I'm going to go back to my my tangent and close the loop on the point that I was point that I was planning on making which is the idea of um uh agency versus power in storytelling um yep. there's there's something that I really like, especially in in horror, which is the idea of um, giving the characters with the least power the most agency. I feel like this leads to really interesting stories. Like you can use the example of Lord of the Rings, right? right. Gandalf yep. is the most powerful character. We give Gandalf the least agency. He is a Maya. There are like certain cosmic rules that he has to abide by, and he's not there for half of it. Um, and so the other characters who have less power have to have the agency to make decisions and affect things, um, which is which is denied denied Gandalf. And I feel like this is something we see in a lot of tabletop games where there will be NPCs who are like um, you know like like in in Call of Cthulhu maybe it's um, like eldritch gods or or like prophets of gods or high ranking cultists with access to loads of spells and things. Um, and then players tend to be the ones with the least power, and they're the ones who have to drive everything and make it work. Um, yeah. And uh, and so when I looked at the two, I was like, let's see what happens when presumably Alex has to like d drive the plot and and make things happen, despite being on average less competent than Charlie. Um, I thought that for sure. Yeah. An interesting story. Well, especially because stats on the page, she seems more. Or yeah, I use she because that's the photo I'm looking at. Um, yeah, sure. And 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 it, there are some moments where I think we can even both tell from some of the word choices of, mm -hmm. and it happens like we're all imperfect beings, but it, it feels a bit like there's some ch sections where it feels like it was written as though this was a man and a woman, and mm -hmm. it's set in the 1990s. That is, you know, statistically the most common type of pairing. Still, it, it is a thing where a lot of Alex's skills are social skills that when you're in the woods and there are no other people, there's not as many mm. opportunities to use those. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, although I did find it interesting that um, stat-wise, uh, Alex is both like larger and stronger than, um, uh, and like higher decks are like more athletic than, than Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's... the one thing that I noticed on the pages that runs kind of counter to that that I thought was an interesting touch. Yeah, I'm I am ha having yeah, that's always the thing I'm curious about is the NPCs created for games is were these like really like consciously designed or was it like last minute like oh god, we have to design characters. I forgot. <laughs> Cuz yeah, I cuz I've talked I to people. That feeling for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and, and that's, uh, that's an interesting point as well. Um, 
from from my own perspective, having uh, having written a scenario which is to be published at some point in the future, um, this is not a plug because it probably won't be out any anywhere near when this episode is released. Uh, as a lot of production needs to happen, but um, in that, I started with the characters. Um, mm-hmm. Like they were the very first thing that that was designed before I even had a uh, before I even had the plot and the scenario like mapped out at all. It was. No, no, these are the characters that are going to be in this. These are going to be the, the player characters that are available. Um, because I knew exactly what I wanted to do with that. I knew exactly which kinds of characters I wanted to throw into, into this scenario. I had a vague idea of what I wanted it to be um, it, with regards to the setting of the plot, but it was very character-driven. Um, and I feel like a lot of the time, like you say, with Call of Cthulhu especially, the characters are kind of an afterthought. Um, yeah. And um, the, the scenario very much takes... Uh, front page yeah precedence in the focus yeah awesome do you have any final thoughts on this one final thoughts on this i I enjoyed it i think um the the idea of a of a solo adventure in call of cthulhu is is really interesting to me i think it was pretty well done there were definitely some moments where i felt like um the option that i wanted wasn't available to me but i guess that's kind of unavoidable in a choose your own adventure kind of thing because there's a finite number of options that you can present well and um, a finite number of pages in the final printed product too right? yeah like, again, exactly yeah. exactly it's uh it's tough i you know um I, I we talked a little bit before we started playing about um the balance of like progressing through the scenario as written and, and showcasing that versus um letting chaos reign and kind of going into the rails and, and improvising um yeah. as a as a player and as a uh, as a keeper and a, a sort of not to uh throw myself under the bus here i know that this mm-hmm. is kind of clue podcast but I, I run a lot of dungeons and dragons as a dm of dungeons and dragons i love improvisation and chaos and yeah um, uh kind of having little to no plan and just letting players do stuff and seeing where it leads us um, and so this was really alien to me um but it was fun you know i i do it again i think i still prefer um a less structured play style where you're able to kind of riff off the other characters a little bit and 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 go a bit deeper into role play um maybe that's the uh the thespian in me coming out mm-hmm. uh, little theater background but um uh yeah it, it was really good fun um i enjoyed the the kind of mystery of it all and being able to role play uh, someone who was in like a horror movie scenario, a proper uh, stranded in a cabin in the woods, having to make decisions around like, surviving, but at the same time having the relationship drama issues and trying to kind of navigate that and, and balance being a person versus being um, uh, someone who's trying to survive. I thought that was super fun. Yeah. And of course, thank you very much for, for keeping it. Um, oh well, thank you for playing. It was I yeah, super fun, super fun doing this with you, uh, especially given we hadn't played before uh, up until this. Yeah, time. Um, yeah, and I I tried fun. to balance, you know, uh, letting their writing to to their writing shine. I tried not to be like. There's a couple of mm-hmm. moments where I, where it's I think it, it's a bit more obvious of like you want again like you wanted to do X and it just wasn't an option. Um, but I tried to be like, all right, well, this is the closer option, and I, and I tried to be like, yeah, yeah. If 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 to look at like for those of you who buy it, it's broken up into like sections, 
and each section has a number. So I'm looking at number 363 right now. It is five paragraphs. When I did any editing or commentary, I tried to do like, I'd massage the first sentence and maybe the last sentence um, for the listener's sake um, and, and to limit it being like, well, here are you two options. And I, we, I tried to make it that because it, it, it can feel a bit nicer and it will definitely be nicer to listen to. But yeah, definitely. It's that situation of, you know, as anyone who's designed anything like this, that's interactive fiction will know sometimes you, you know, it's like, oh, well, I want to go look at this. And, and yeah, that makes sense. But no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as we as we said, there's a limit to how much you can do. Uh, <laughs> you can write as many if else uh, like queries as you want. But after a certain point, you, you get to a stage where you go, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> We're going to do yeah. 4,000 pages and every possible eventuality. Um, yeah, and, and so this I, this is 100 pages, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's big for a... I, I, I haven't read a huge number of Call of Cthulhu scenarios, but that, that seems pretty substantial. Based it's... On the ones that I have seen. I, yeah, again, not not to do not to do the plug, but I, I at time of recording a book I wrote, just, just the print copies are shipping, and... Mine is not an alone against. Um, it ended up being, I think it's a hundred and twenty ish, and 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 yeah, it, it's it is. How do I how do I want to put this? There is an academic paper or or like a YouTube video essay that someone could do sometime about how. <laughs> you like for a choose your own adventure it requires more pages to get the same amount of plot as something like yeah. writing a scenario and mm, sure. having having again having gotten initial reviews a couple like a critique that we've gotten is the ending they wanted the ending to be a little bit better for the one I wrote and just came out and that's fair the the goal in my writing was to try to create a set of tools that a keeper could could use to build the ending based on what the players did and and to me it comes across as like the tools weren't good enough and weren't as apparent enough right like it's that that thing of criticism super fair but you know sometimes when someone criticizes and they say the solution is x you can look at it and be like no i agree that this was a problem, but I think the solution's why. That's I think that's a normal part of writing mm-hmm. of any kind. Um, yeah. And I feel like the alone against are such a, a, a hard opposite because it is such a like you are getting to one of a very limited endings. There is not a toolkit. This mm-hmm. is a, a, a this is a a, 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 a flowchart to go through. And yeah, I, I, I think this one's pretty solid. I, 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 you know, I do like the idea of a couple that's having troubles as like your, your framing device and part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I get a little bit eye rolly at the number of Call of Cthulhu scenarios that start along the lines of, I don't know, you get a letter or something. Or it, shut up! You go investigate this house. <laughs> Figure out a reason. Yep. 
<laughs> yep, I yeah, I feel that for sure. <laughs> um, it's very common. Yeah. Um, quick tangent. Well, I've got you. Have you read any of the? I think it's Fear's Sharp Little Needles. Is no, that the one? No, does not ring a bell. What, what's Term the genre? What, what kind of thing am I talking, it, talking oh, about? It's called Cthulhu. Are it's... they scenarios? Oh, yeah. okay. So I'm going to be completely honest with you. The only Call of Cthulhu content I have read is uh, the stuff that has been published by Stars of Right. Um, Fair. Yeah. it's uh, I I run a lot of D&D, and it is all homebrew. <laughs> I do not read. Uh, like I'll read source books in terms of like, monster manuals i've read like yeah. the keeper uh book and the uh and the pulp book um because the scenario that i'm writing is is uh pulp cthulhu as opposed to regular Call of cthulhu um, nice but uh yeah i haven't really read any scenarios other than um other than some of the stars are right ones very fair um I, I i just will say one of my favorite cthulhu scenarios is um where is it? I'm just trying to verify the proper name. But it's from... I think it's from Fear's Sharp Little Needles. And... Nope, I think I've lost it. Nope, I think I've lost it entirely. Oh, my brain! Can you tell it's still the holiday break? <laughs> yeah. Will they edit this? What time is it where you are as well? Oh, it's only 6.30. It's early. Like, I'm having dinner oh. after this. Okay. 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 Um, That's not so bad. I'm, 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 yeah. Whenever I, whenever I uh, play Call of Cthulhu with someone in a different time zone, my brain pegs it to, uh, like, Braden time. Um, oh, very fair. Like, five in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I'm, like, I'm, are you, are you okay? Um, I'm closer to y'all than to Braden. Um, I can't remember yeah. which one it is right now. My brain isn't working on it. But the, the pitch is like, you start in a car that has just had a car crash. So like, it is very much Ooh. like you start in media res and it is a thing of, of like the, the, the characters do not remember the last week. So, so much of it is like, all right, we're all beaten up and we're missing half of our belongings. Like it is a fun one of your, you're recreating your own, what happened in the past week and yeah, that's really cool i like that it's I like it's that so well done um yeah but yeah oh, have you um sorry I'll, I'll let you finish your thing and then i have a i have a uh, I, I got nothing i've lost it entirely you do yours <laughs> sure um so it reminds me a lot of play repeat return i don't know if you've played that or listened to the playthrough that we did on stars are right um, or or read it, but this was the one that Braden wrote. Um, okay. and was published by by Star of the Right. Um, but I had the pleasure of playing through that, and um, this isn't really a spoiler because it's right at the start. Um, it starts with the group of players who are all like family waking up. They are strapped to chairs with like tubes coming out of their arms hooked up to a machine that they don't understand their nails are really long their hair is really long they've been here for weeks months oh. years they don't know yeah they just have to like figure out what the fuck is going on <laughs> oh that's fun see i like that it's great 
It's so good. I figured out the problem. Um, I was in the wrong book entirely. It <laughs> is Forget Me Not from Things We Left Behind. Um, and it is, I mean, the entire book is pretty, it's pretty brutal. Um, it is definitely a, like, oh yeah, like, best case scenario, this needs a bunch of trigger warnings. So, they're fun, but more on the horror side, like, yeah. Sure, sure. I didn't write anything for it, so this isn't me being like, hey, maybe buy my stuff. Fear Sharp Little Needles, it's... (laughs) six modern ones and they're all pretty yeah 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 but i think unless you have any final thoughts i think that is a good spot to end it anything else from you yeah um that is everything yeah yeah thank you again to seb for putting up with me being a little bit didactic about how the book works um I have pitched to the rest of the group that we're going to run something that is not me running a book that requires me to be very like, the book says you can't look at the book. The book says you can't look in the covers. Mm-hmm. Um, but but also, more importantly, a, a big massive thanks to the listeners. You are all the bestest, dis, 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 and you're all exceptional. Listens, comments, and ratings are incredibly helpful. And if you want to find a way to support us further, gain extra bonus content, consider joining us over on patreon.com slash stars right. We also have a Discord. You can find our invite link to the Discord community as well as social media on the website starsareright.com. Come join us. And I think with that, farewell, dear listeners. They've been Seb. I've been Tyler. Until the stars are right again. And then the music audio people will put a bunch of music right here and make me sound real cool and then static will come in it will fade to the like request for reviews or the uh patreon shout out it's gonna be great it's gonna be amazing i will say having a setting about static when i know we have multiple static things like in the sound effects library is like (laughs) mm, yeah it's good bro wow this has been really cool uh, yeah. I've very much enjoyed um, getting to hang out uh, and um, meet you properly. <laughs>